Sliced Apples Podcast with Alex and David. Hey, hey, hey. It's time to play. I'm excited, dude. Super Bowl week. Are you exhausted at this point of watching football or do we just do we just not get tired? Yeah, you do cuz that's why I don't I don't really end up watching like XFL or now I guess US. Follow-up. We've been doing this long enough. That was my follow-up was like if you if you're not tired of it like why are people not watching the UFL? It's cuz I think we get kind of tired of football by this time of year. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like dude. Okay, like I don't know if it's tired actually. I've I've brought this up several times. I think it's more just like we know all the players in the NFL and all the coaches and all everybody, owners and that stuff. It'd be like a whole new class to learn the UFL, the players, the coaches, all that, like the strategies, history, that kind of stuff. Not that there's much history, but it's just so much to learn. But at the same time, you never know. I could find think I'm good at betting on it and next thing you know i'm i'm in there like booty hair i mean wow uh i move past it i can't move past it <laughs> let's use <laughs> let's use different comparisons next time <laughs> um yeah i think if they did like that that was so that was one side of the conversation was like you never you're never gonna learn anybody and the other side was is like if gambling like took it and ran with it. I think it would be a pretty big deal because people would want to bet. Like, I mean, my, my brother who loves gambling gambles on Korean baseball all the time. And that's like a pretty popular thing to gamble on is Korean baseball, but it's like, you're not watching that much Korean baseball. So just I, 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 I may have done it once or twice in the past. It's good betting. Apparently. I don't know why, but it is. And so I would think like UFL, if they like approached it that way, where it was like, a betting approach i think it would be more popular than it probably is but we'll no, see. i think i mean every i mean every sport league now is totally just embrace the betting i mean freaking a while back when you, that one uh for the ufc that one head coach was under investigation for the betting thing and then like a state in alberta and in, in canada i think it was alberta was saying okay we're gonna remove we're going to ban UFC bets from our sports books in, okay. in the state. And Dana White was like, uh, no, 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 no. Don't do that. All right. We're suspending him indefinitely. We're suspending yeah. him indefinitely. Don't do that. Yeah. That's how big, like these leagues are. They know how much revenue they gain from sports betting. Cause I mean, look at hockey. If it wasn't for sports betting, I would not be into hockey at all. Nothing, nada. I remember the first time um, we had our guest upsetting me that I'm blanking his name, the basketball guy. And I was out here spitting, spitting like all these stats because I, I bet so much that I know who's like not hitting their, their props and whatnot. Um, this was like a while back. It was like maybe two years you ago. Got me, you got me thinking. I'm like basketball guy talking about betting. You, you just keep going. I'll think of him. But 
Yeah, I think that's not going to be an issue. They're going to fully embrace it. I mean, if it's on TV, it's 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 going to be doing its thing. But it's it's a little different. Korean baseball, I think, is a good betting just because nobody really watches Korean baseball. So I think the lines are aren't as accurate, 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 They're not as ac- accurate and sharp. Whereas you go to things like the Super Bowl, where it's going to be the biggest game it's the biggest game of the year so the lines are going to be as sharp as can be because everybody knows everybody's paying the books know everybody's paying attention to this game everybody's going to be betting on this game whereas Mm -hmm. korean baseball like if you set the line a little too low or too high it's kind of like so what who the fuck bet who fuck in america watches korean baseball bets on korean baseball so that's like a lot of people, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I think uh, that's where you really find uh, it's where you really find the degenerates and whatnot. Right, that's right. But we got the biggest game of the year this year. Do you want to go into that, or do you want to tackle some of the ancillary stuff first? Ancillaries, like All right, go for it. Like I need, I need to ask a genuine question. And please help me wrap my head around this because I do not understand. Why is Caleb Williams a certified number one overall pick? Forgive me, everyone that's listening to this. I have yet, I've never, I'm so dumbfounded because I listened to, you know, Colin Coward, Undisputed, First Take, all which first things first, anything. And it's like the way they talk about Caleb Williams being this generational prospect. And I'm just sitting there like, bitch, where? I don't, I don't know where I like, where is it at? I don't see it. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be a mid ass quarterback or anything, but I, I just don't see this. Oh yeah, he's a guaranteed generational number one overall pick. Like, you got to take him at number one. I I don't see that at all. Like Trevor Lawrence, I saw that. I mean, we saw it for three years because he started doing it since his freshman year. Started tearing up the college scene. Um, there's just different different people that you see it, but I mean, Caleb Williams, he's athletic. Uh, but I mean, I don't even think he, he wasn't even the best quarterback in college football last year. Yeah, he was, he wasn't like, I'm sorry, but what, what did he do? I I don't know, man. I just, I'll, I guess if the bears don't trade away that number one overall pick, which I a hundred percent think they're going to do because I mean, they already have Justin Fields. I feel like Justin Fields is just as good, if not better, than the potential Caleb Williams has, in my eyes. If anything, I think they're equal squash. Um, but I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't see it. And I need you, I, I need you to explain to me because I, I, I feel like it's a narrative that got started 
at the beginning of the college football season, oh, Caleb Williams is going to be the number one quarterback. And it just kind of rode along because there was nobody else that really stood out more. And at this point, I think he's a number one overall pick because somebody whispered some murmurs like, hey, before the college football season, hey, Caleb Williams, that guy Caleb Williams, he's potential number one overall. I mean, I mean, I don't know, man. You Please. think he is he he doesn't have number one overall talent, or you think it's like you think he's more than likely a bust, and that's why you shouldn't use the pick on him? I don't. I just don't. I don't see this because um, you know there's there's a difference between like like last year, per se, let's say before the the S two test or whatever results, whatever that dumb shit is. I mean, there was a conversation of uh, uh, there was there could have been a debate on who should go number one versus uh, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, you know that that kind of deal. This one is like, no, the Bears. You just need to like get rid like get rid of Justin Fields, draft Caleb Williams number one overall because he's going to change your franchise. Yeah, I'm not doing that shit. Hell no, I'm trading that pick away, brother. Like, I don't need Caleb Williams when I can probably finesse another team out of like five first round picks. Yeah. That that are desperate for him. I, I mean, I, I just don't I, it's weird because I, I don't, don't I just see don't it. see the hype and and maybe if it was the Washington Commanders picking number one overall. I would maybe understand why he's a no doubt number one overall pick because yeah. they need a fucking quarterback. Yeah. But I think it's more the part of him talking about him as if he's just this generational, like, god of a quarterback. Yeah. Well, let's, let's make this fun. Because I'm not a Caleb William analyst, but let's make this fun. Um, better or worse than other first round picks? So Trevor Lawrence, better or worse than Trevor Lawrence? Worse. Baker Mayfield. Better. Kyler Murray. Worse. Okay. Those are pretty much, you know, if you can name other ones that is, you know, still playing in the league in the last 15 years and go for it. But I'm not going into the 2000s with the, the what's Stafford, his name? Stafford uh, in uh, uh, Oakland, who played for LSU, who was the biggest bust. Gilbert, of time. Oh, Marcus Russell. <laughs> I'm not going back there to that first. But yeah, um, Joe wasn't a first. Was he a first pick? Obviously, he's worse than Joe. Yeah, um, Joe Burrow was number one overall. Oh, OK. So. Yeah, obviously he's worse than Joe. Um, all right, you kind of laid out a lot there. I'm not, like I said, I'm not an analyst of Caleb Williams. I don't watch a ton of Pac-12 football, but I think it's pretty safe to say why they labeled him the number one overall pick coming out of or starting this year is because he won the Heisman last year as a sophomore. And I pulled up his stats. His stats were pretty good, dude. I mean, he threw the ball. He he, he threw the ball 500 times. Only completed 333 of them. Pretty decent. I mean, 66 percent. And then 4,500 yards, 42 tuds, and five interceptions. Pretty good Heisman season. Regressed this year, but I think it was more, you know, you don't see those guys like 
continuously get better after a Heisman year. Like he put up 4,500 yards. He's not going to put up 5,000 the next year. It's just not going to happen. He put up 36 this year, which is pretty good. I am kind of with you on the idea that like he's not a you know certified stamp him number one overall pick guarantee because I don't really see it either. I mean, it's been I've voiced it over the past you know year and a half or so since I saw him paint the you know fuck Utah on his fingernails. But like, call me an old white man, but that's that to me matters because it's like, come on, man, like you know show a little bit of professionalism here. You know, you're representing more than just yourself at this moment. Like when you step into a building, like the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, like you don't just represent yourself at that moment. You represent the star, Dallas, Jerry, all of it. So I think they're forgetting the most important part of all that. He fucking lost. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that's the that's the thing to me. I was like, I didn't care much for what he did. If he would have balled out through seven touchdowns and you couldn't yeah. even touch him. But bro, this man, he lost to them. Lost. And it's like, I think that was the biggest thing for me. I was like, he lost. Dude. Yeah. And it's not like fingernail paint or anything like that. Like it's 2024. Like I get it. Like it, it is what it is at this point. It doesn't matter. But it's more the professionalism of like what you put, like what you wrote. It's just like for me, if I'm an owner, I'm like looking at this guy. I'm like, this is kind of a loose cannon here, like kind of a loose cannon. Like this guy, if that guy puts that on his hands, like what does he say in front of the media after a big loss when it's like when he played, when he balled out and the coach just made a bad call or running back fumbles? Like what? what is is this a guy that you sit there and you're like, yeah, he has a track record of being professional and falling on the sword and all that. I mean, say what you will about Dak Prescott, but that dude falls on the sword repeatedly like he really does. And I'm never worried about Dak coming out and saying something that's going to like just crucify Mike McCarthy or or Micah, Micah Parsons or any of the other team team player teammates or, or coaches. He's not going to do that. He's going to fall on the sword. That's what he does. Caleb Williams doesn't strike me as a guy who does that. Also, I'm a, I'm a believer, and I think we both are, and most people in the NFL, like this idea of drafting a quarterback and it fixes your franchise. Like it never happens that way. Like we had an anomaly last year with cj stroud in a rookie head coach like that doesn't happen like it just doesn't it never happens so if you're chicago or washington sitting at number one thinking like oh yeah we'll draft caleb and then you know all of a sudden like we've got a new head coach and we might end up like the texans it's like no like you take a thousand sample size a thousand different case studies we are the one that succeeded somehow side note on that because you brought up something that I, I realized and I saw like last week or something. So we'll, we'll get more into this later with the, the coaching, all the coaching holes that were filled. But one of the ones was for the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons hired Raheem Morris. Mm-hmm. That his name? That's his name, yep. right? Yep. For their head coaching position, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the point that was made was that how now, how pretty much teams are going to start following, trying to copycat the Texans' playbook. So Falcons hire a defensive-minded head coach, get an offensive coordinator because he came from the Rams under, so the offensive coordinator under somebody under Sean McVay I don't know the guy's name, but Morris ended up at hiring an offensive coordinator that came from that side of the base staff. Huh? Zach Robinson. Yeah, he was the 
I don't think he was offensive coordinator there. He was the like QB coach or something like that. Or he might have done the same thing Slowick did for he was like probably the pass game coordinator, run game coordinator, or something like that, analyst. Uh two worked together throughout all of Morris's previous three seasons with the LA Rams. So they both came from the Rams. Um, Robinson has been promoted to the pass game coordinator, quarterbacks coach, a position he held since 2022. So he was the pass game coordinator, quarterbacks coach for the Rams in 20, uh, since 2022. All right. That's where shit starts getting weird because that's exactly the position that Slowick held before coming over to being the Texans offensive coordinator. Not only that, both of them, Robinson and Slowick, used to work for PFF. Huh. So it is, honestly, it is weird how similar it is. And, it, okay. and, it, and honestly, I was kind of like, how did I not see that coming? Like, of course, other franchises are going to try to follow suit and what yeah. the Texans did. Cause I mean, ultimately it's a copycat league. Like yeah. you see somebody have success doing that. All right. Let, let's try that. Let's try that, which I don't, I don't blame them. I mean, but the problem is the hardest part is that quarterback part. Yeah. <laughs> That's the hardest part of the whole equation. Um, but yeah, I, I just want, it's, because there's two sides to that 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 uh, that topic. Like there's the side where it's like, yeah, do what the Texans did, draft the D, the defensive head, the defensive minded head coach, and then strong offensive coordinator, kind of like the Texans did. I like to fall more in the camp of an offensive minded head coach like Sean McVay, because you see something like the Philadelphia Eagles with Nick Sirianni, where he called plays at one point, brought in whoever the hell it was, I don't remember his name, uh, Steichen, Shane Steichen. Shane Steichen started calling plays. There was a guy in between that was calling plays, I don't remember. But Shane gets pulled away to the Colts for the head coaching job. All of a sudden, the offensive side of the game for the Eagles just falls apart. So kind of an interesting like two-sided topic where it's like you can get the defensive-minded head coach and get an OC, but you know that OC is going to get taken in like two to three years, like Slowick is. He's going to get taken next year, most likely, um, if he performs as well. Then you play the game of like trying to replace them and recreate that magic, or you go get an offensive minded head coach and then you just replace the defensive coordinators. Which exactly. That, 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 I think that's that, easier. That's the thought process. That's why you see more offensive coordinators yeah. being hired as head coaches because you, one thing that you want consistent is that offensive play caller. And, for your quarterback, especially. Yeah, exactly. And so, and to sustain long-term success, you need that. And how do you get that? Is by whatever offensive-minded guy, play caller you want, you got to give them the highest position possible that you can give them, which is a head coach. Yep. So, at least in that way, you have stability. Kyle Shanahan, you know, 49ers, they've had that stability of the same play caller for the past however many years it's been. Whereas, you know, I was worried as a Texans fan that we were going to lose Slowick this offseason after just one year. And then Lord knows what's going to happen after that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. That, but, that's, always, that's my fear next year for the Texans. Because it's not, it's not replacing the OC. Because like you said something earlier, I kind of disagree with where you say like the most important part is the quarterback, which I do agree with like personnel-wise the most important part. But I think the most important like 
intangible part is the relationship between the play caller and the quarterback. So once you separate those two, like that's going to be the real test for CJ when slow it goes and gets the head coaching job he takes, the guy who replaces him, like how quickly can you build that relationship and kind of pick up where you last left off with Slowick? Like, is that possible? Or do you have to reform the offense? That's always the difficulty with these quarterbacks. Like Baker Mayfield was a good quarterback coming out of college, but the dude had like, I think at this point he's had five or six head coaches. So how many different play callers or OCs has he told, like have have told him how to play the game at this level? Like five or six every other year. So that makes a difference in like talent can only take you so far. The organization at a certain point has to step in and kind of get you the next step. So I, I mean, I think we just roll right in because I don't have much else to say about Caleb Williams besides he will get taken in the top five. I think he'll be all right. I agree with you. You shouldn't replace Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is, is a very good quarterback. I think if you draft Justin, uh, if you draft Caleb Williams in Chicago, you get the same result next year. He's not. He, he may yield one or two more wins. But you build from the trenches, like we all know this. Nick, 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 freaking Foles won a Super Bowl, dude. Like he's not better than Tom Brady. Tom Brady, Brady threw for over five hundred yards and five tuds in that game. Nick Foles didn't win that game. Like they, the the Eagles won that game. So this logic of drafting a quarterback number one overall, like the Bears or, or Washington, and thinking it's going to fix the, it just doesn't. I mean, look at the Texans. The Texans, dude, with Tunsil and all that. Like we put all the pieces in place for Deshaun. Went out and got the kid from Stanford with the long neck, and then he didn't work out. So, but we already had a lot of the pieces in place. I don't remember his name. Will or whatever his name was. What's his name? Just continue. Davis Mills. Thank you. Davis Mills. Mr. Longneck out of Stanford. Um, But I think that we already had a lot of those pieces in place when we drafted CJ. It just kind of worked because you already had kind of remnants from the previous attempt at this. So that's why I think I saw it. We saw it take off so quickly. That, and of course, like I was saying, the combination between CJ and Slowick and you know the Miko effect. But I don't think CJ or I don't think uh, Caleb's going to turn around either of the franchise he gets drafted by immediately. I think if they build around him, then sure, yeah, I think he has potential. Um, but let's talk about these head coaches because otherwise we'll get carried away and we'll we'll be talking you know thirty minutes in about the Super Bowl. But let's talk about these head coaches. Belichick and Vrabel were like the only two that I think were left out that I can think of. I don't know if there's any others, other major ones. I swear there's one more. Oh, Eric Bieniemy. Oh, Bieniemy getting let go by Washington, which I was not surprised by. I was surprised I mean, that Washington I, hired Dan Quinn. I was very surprised by that. Yeah. I mean, they got Cliff Kingsbury, though. Yeah, I just... Dan Quinn, I I think it was you told me a stat or somebody else told me a stat a couple weeks ago. It was you on the lines. You called me out on it where you're like, good defense. I said the Cowboys had good defense. And you like you pieced it together. You're like, if you had all these parts and you produced this, and then it was like the last seven games of two years ago, and then in the playoffs or something, it's like the the 180 shift from like all-time defense to below average defense with the personnel they have is amazing. Considering they didn't really have major injuries besides like late Vanderesh, a couple cornerbacks, like it was. So for me, when they, when I saw that they took Dan Quinn as the head coach, I thought 28, three, first of all. And so I was like, oh, that's, that's that. And then secondly, I thought, well, the defense performed well, but how much of that was the talent and how much of it was actually the coaching? I think I place more weight on the talent than the coaching. So I don't know about Washington. He must have said some things in the interview that they really liked because I don't know, bro. 
Belichick and Vrabel in Washington, bro. Hard nose, like old ball club. Dude, Vrabel fits right in there, I feel like. You bring in Cliff as the OC. I feel like that's that's a better coaching staff than than Quinn. But call me a hater. I don't know. Yeah, I Bianami, I I need to find out like what what is it about this guy? Why like, does he didn't treat the players right? That's what they all say. That's all the reports is that he treats them he treats them wrong. Like he just he I shouldn't say wrong. He treats them how or he doesn't treat them how they want to be treated, I think is like pretty much what is coming out. Whether that be yeah. like I think like a years ago it was like they coached uh, he coaches really hard and they didn't like that he coached like real hard. Um, a few years ago, the Chiefs. It was the first year after the Chiefs. Remember, the players had the Chiefs players had to come out and say, "The enemy is a great coach. Like we love the enemy. Great offensive mind. He does coach hard. Like you remember that? Because the the players from I think Washington, because that's where he went right after. I think this were, was just that this this past year was his one year. Are you sure? Yeah, dude. Because this is the one year, all of a sudden, the Chiefs off. Remember how I was saying, like, is it a coincidence this season? The Chiefs offense has been not as lighted up as it used to be. And this is the one year they've been without Eric Bieniemy as Absolutely OC. Right, yeah. This was his only year. as. So it would have been last year? Do you remember those reports though that came out about that? It was like they were they were really dogging on him on how hard he coached. I I don't remember what the speculation exactly was, but I remember when the last last year's head coaching cycle, or maybe the year before that, when he when people thought he should really be like a top head coach candidate, there was a lot of bullshit coming out about him. Like, oh, he hasn't got it because of X Y Z, this this and that. Um. Yeah, I'm reading here. I'm trying to find because this article is posted in August of 23, how intense he is. But I do remember, yeah, here it is. August 11, 2023, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Colin, Eric Bieniemy is coaching you hard because he loves you. I remember this. Some of Bieniemy's former players came out to coach defense, including Tyreek Hill. Um, Patrick Mahomes asked in a press conference about it. And he said, I think I saw EB said it perfectly. EB is going to going to be harsh on you. He's going to really try to get the best out of you every single day. He's going to hold you accountable whenever you don't even want to hold yourself accountable. And it made me a better player. So, and he goes on and on and on. But yeah, I remember that beginning. That was the beginning of this year. I'm not surprised. I'm, I am kind of surprised that, I mean, I'm a little surprised at how Dan Quinn handled the firing of Eric Bieniemy. Did you read like, or did you see what he said? He was like, yeah, I just told him his services aren't needed here anymore. Like we don't need them or we don't want them or something like that. It was, it was not, it was professional, but it was like very direct, like very, very direct. Honestly, it, it's probably, it's probably cause that's the norm. Like to them in their world, that's pretty much the norm. And that's what I kind of took it as. That's why he was just no, so nonchalant and direct about it. Cause it's like, Hey, buddy, I've, I've been coaching for a while. This is, this is a normal thing. To him, it's a normal thing. But he doesn't know to us. It's kind of like, oh, that's a weird way of putting that. But ima yeah. just imagine his perspective that it's a fucking year in and year out normal thing. Yeah. I mean, then the way he spoke about it makes a lot of sense.
Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not surprised he didn't get a head. I mean, I was surprised last year he didn't get a head coaching job. But this circuit, with people like Belichick and Brable, I'm not surprised at all he didn't get a job. Especially what was said about him in the production, the offensive production. Well, Sam Howell actually played pretty well this year. But I I would say, like, usually these coaching candidates, like we were talking about Slowick or Ben Johnson with Detroit, it's like winning teams, teams that exceed expectation. And it, it it's clearly from one side of the ball. Like, with the Texans, is not from one side of the ball. Like, we needed all the help we can get to where we got. But somewhere like Detroit, defensively and offensively, like, huge step up, like, continuously – you should, again, three and thirteen, nine and eight, and then twelve and five this year. Like just continuous steps up. So not surprised you can get a head coaching job. If Washington had finished above five hundred or ended up in the playoffs somehow, wild card round, then yeah, I'd expect like him to get a couple interviews. But nah, not this year. It's a meritocracy. Yeah, I guess when you bring that up, um, I mean, strange it's though, point, right? It's a pair. It's a fair point. Like strange. You know, yeah, I think it's more strange that. I'm thoroughly surprised Belichick and Vrabel didn't get hired. Who are you surprised by? uh, Honestly, if we're really being honest, I think Vrabel was the one I was most surprised about. I thought Vrabel would for sure, hundred percent, hands down, get a job. Yep, I thought for sure. Who wouldn't want him? I mean, if it wasn't for us having D'Amico Ryan's, I would have been like. Get me Mike Vrabel now. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, now. Yeah. I want him now. Like, so I'm, I'm thoroughly surprised. I'm, I'm surprised also. Nobody did. All right. You don't have a head coach opening? Sir, Sirianni, go get that man as your defensive coordinator. No, you go get Vic Fangio, bro. Like, yeah. Well, don't ask me about that. But, uh, I'm not surprised Belichick didn't get a head coaching job. Not only is he old, not only has he been with one franchise his entire life, but also not his entire life, uh, the last 20 years, um, all of my life, basically. <laughs> uh, yeah. He uh, he was also the GM. So when you're interviewing for these roles, like that was the first thing I thought when he went out and they let him go and he was you know, free to go interview is how is he going to interview? Does he interview two separate interviews? Is he a head coach and a GM interview? Wasn't a great GM, but still the GM of six-time Super Bowl team champion. So, like, still worthy of an interview. A lot more successful than a lot of GMs in the league right now. But if you didn't want that, do you want the head coach? How does that work with the dynamic between the GM and the head coach? Like, just about it was a lot of questions. Like, because he's coming out of such a unique position, it's almost like if you're the CEO of Microsoft and you're going to look for another job, and it's like, well, Apple, Apple has a CEO and linux and all these other like major tech companies have ceos it's like okay where do we put bill gates do we like just move him down to like a board position somewhere or does he start his own like because it's like there's no real like apples to apples you know switch for him so that's why i wasn't surprised but variable like you're saying dude like real hard-nosed guy like coaches his team well like i'd want to play for mike variable dude i would want to so that's that one's weird to me. Take a chance on like a new guy, but you don't hire a break. That that's the stuff as owners I don't get or GMs I don't get is you take a chance because you think like like just Slowick, for example, like Bobby Slug or Raheem Raheem Morris. That's a better example. Like somebody like that, you're taking who is fresh and giving him an opportunity, 
but it's like you have a known commodity and Mike Brable, you know, you know what you're going to get, you know what your team's going to look like and you can improve from there. You know, it's like, it's weird. It's, it's almost like if Andy Reid became free with nobody interview him, you know, like why? Like, cause you just want to uh, generation. Like Andy Reid's a little different because of all the stuff we talked about earlier, a few minutes ago, where offensive play caller, you would, True. any team would throw mad money at at offensive play caller like Andy okay. Reid. Good point. Um, so that that's a little different, but I do see what you're saying in which like the last couple years, ever since Tom Brady left, hasn't looked good in New England. So I understand these teams kind of doubting like, hey man, is, is this guy even like legit? Maybe it was Tom Brady this whole time that carried him and whatnot. So I'm a little surprised, but not too surprised. I, like I said, Vrabel was the more surprising one. Um, yeah, let me pull up a list of the coaches that were hired, though. Yeah, because there was a number of them. I think there is a few that if they hadn't got hired in X position, we'd see Vrabel. Like, I think um, the guy out of uh, Pierce, a- Antonio Pierce out of Vegas, if he didn't get the job, which would have been a damn shame if he didn't, but if he did, it did not get the job, I would imagine Vegas and Vrabel are a pretty good fit together. So that's one. I think, you know, Harbaugh coming out of college to the Chargers, that's potentially another one. Like, I could see Belichick in LA, you know, running both. I could see that. Um, you know, not really been a franchise that's been, you know, successful in the past, you know, bringing in the most successful coach of all time. So I ended up accidentally pulling the list of uh, coordinators that were hired uh, this past cycle. And did you know Arthur Smith got hired as the OC in Pittsburgh? Yep, I did. The fuck is wrong with Pittsburgh? They just don't care about their offense anymore. uh, He was, uh, where where did he come from? He came from Arthur Smith, came from the Atlanta Falcons. I understand, but before that, he was the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. So that's even worse. He was, well, during the 2019 2020 season. No, that was the season they were going to the AFC championship games. Bro, they weren't going because of their exotic offense. Their offense was run the fucking ball with Derrick Henry. Like, I mean, what? it doesn't take a – I could have drew that play up. <laughs> Hand it to Derrick Henry. Let me call a play for Derrick Henry 30 to 40 times a game. That is my Fox. job, essentially. And we, saw, and we saw what Arthur Smith did to Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Bijan Robinson. Come on, bro. Like – Come on, bro. Like, just come on. You got to be kidding me. I mean, it, it, I wouldn't. Defensive I wouldn't. Te- coach, defensive minded head coach in Tennessee, and he's the OC. So, I mean, I give credit where credit's due. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, you don't. You don't know much about offenses, I guess. Clearly, I they don't have, know anything. Because it's just they had that one good year, and then what? And then what? Like okay. when you think of like good offense, now you, I don't even want to go great. Just like 
good offensive minds. I swear, like, give me some good offensive head coach or not even head coaches, offensive coaches. If you say Arthur Smith, I am slapping you. That's like, there's no way that name should even come up. But that just, that was funny to me. Um, Let's see. Now can I get, all right, so we got, here we go. Chargers, Jim Harbaugh, Ooh-rah. Chargers Ooh-rah. did it. Great hire. CBS Sports gives them an A. I would too. I would probably give them an A plus. The Commanders, Dan Quinn, meh, meh. I mean, this is the same guy. Lost the Super yeah. Bowl, twenty-eight to three. You know what? We like to talk about the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy. Maybe it's been this guy, bro. You telling quick. me you telling me the same guy that blew a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl and then every time his team he has a top-ranked defense year in and year out but when they get to the playoffs it's just kind of like nothing nada you know I mean you know I'm I'm not willing to you know blame I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give the Cowboys fans hope yeah, yeah, by yeah. saying they're All their right. problems. Falcons. Well, we've been we've been fighting over here. You got me? You can hear me well? Yeah. Uh okay. I was just gonna say I'm not I'm not giving the Cowboys fans any hope by saying that their problem has walked out the door and walked into the Washington building. Cowboys still suck. It's still Mike McCarthy's fault. Info. So um Falcons, Raheem Morris, we talked about that. Not too mad at that. I mean, I didn't I didn't think the Falcon the Rams defense was that that great. But mm-hmm. I guess good enough for the Falcons. And like I said, they're trying to copy that Texans. I mean, they even got an African American defensive coordinator. Jeez. I can't see his head on here. If he's bald, then Jesus. Come on, bro. Like you literally just copying and pasting not even changing some of the words um okay this is where we start getting i he's forgot about this one this huh he is not bald oh, okay cool this is where we start getting uh i forgot about this one panthers hired dave canales bro first of all how similar can a name be to mine without actually being my name yeah, Canales. Canales, yeah. bro. You typed it in. It is spelled pretty much like your name is spelled. Like that is like. I think if you uh, um, gentrified my name, it would be Dave Canales. I mean, it's like the white. You know what? You. I am Dave Canales. That is right. me now, bro. I will now. I am the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. I'm going to go make an avatar and everything. <laughs> but um, Panthers hired Dave Canales, which, eh, I, I mean, I mean, he did do pretty good this past year with Baker Mayfield in that offense in Tampa Bay. So I'll, I'll, I'm not hating too hard. It might be, it, it, it was probably like, it was sneaky. It was sneaky good by the Panthers. That's what I would say. And then uh, Patriots, Gerard Mayo. Um, that was interesting as well. 
We talked about that, that, but I don't remember that. Yeah, Gerard Mayo. It's interesting, uh, but I I remember watching Gerard Mayo play. I, I like yeah. him. Yeah, I like the guy. So it's a good good way to try to continue that Patriots culture. Still have some ties to that dynasty. Or they, or they might, or they might go a different direction. So we'll see. It'll be fun to watch. Could could pivot in a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. Raid- Raiders, Antonio Pierce. Finally, they do the right thing. Um, yep. I like the hire. I mean, obviously, all the players before it. I like him. I mean, I feel like the Raiders played a lot, a lot better with him under the helm. So, Titans got Brian Callahan. Um, Bengals offensive coordinator. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. I'm. I'm not. I'm not. Raiders next year are going to be something. That might be a good bet to place right there. Future bet. I don't know how much I like the the Brian Callahan for the Titans. I understand why. I mean, Titans have all for now for a long time. I've had pretty much a more old school as old school as you can of, of, of an offense you can have in 2024. Yeah. yeah. Just cause they're more known for that Derrick Henry power rush. Uh, Brian. So he's the son of Bill Callahan who mm. uh, was a former head coach, coached the yeah. Raiders uh, in the Super Bowl in 2002. Mm-hmm. Worked with Peyton Manning, Matthew Stafford, and Joe Burrow. And then he was obviously the Bengals' offensive coordinator the past four-ish years. Titans head coach. Yep. Okay. Titans head coach. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm trying to think of... That's what we don't like. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Can't can't fire Vrabel, man. It's a dude right there. It's a dog. But uh, it is interesting because they're pretty much going 180 with the whole franchise direction from Vrabel, defensive, hard nose to offensive guy, Brian Callahan, more of a finesse. Um, which, I mean, I guess that's what you need to be. Got to be a little flashy nowadays. And then uh, last but not least, we have the Seahawks hiring Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator from the Ravens. Um, that was another interesting one. I mean, I, I guess the trend you can see is young, innovative, um, whether on the offensive or defensive side. I mean, you're not seeing... That's why the commander's Dan Quinn hire is kind of sketch and probably the crappiest of them all because it's like you're not really getting anybody. Dan Quinn's been head coach before. He's seasoned veteran in this. It's like you're not getting anything flashy or new. Because like even with Jim Harbaugh, he might not be a young gun, but it's Jim Harbaugh, bro. Like he's just... Everywhere he goes, he wins. Everywhere. Yeah, he, he's just a winner, and he's always he just knows how to adapt. Especially in a way, he is kind of fresh because he's been in the 
college game for a little while now. So, I mean, other than that, like Raheem Morris, I don't know his exact age, but he looked, this picture, he looks like a young dude. Uh, Canales is 42. I mean, Gerard Mayo, I've, I've watched him play growing up, so he can't be that old. You know, Antonio Pierce, same there. Another guy we watched played, can't be that old. Yeah. Uh, Brian Callahan looks like a young dude. Mike McDonald, young dude. I mean... Sean McVay changed the NFL. I think that's just the point here, is Sean McVay and Shanahan changed the NFL. They all want... I think more Sean McVay, bro, because, like, what was he, 32 when he got hot? Like... Yeah, he was young. But uh, you remember, I mean, he there was all those videos of, like, high school, junior year, third quarter... You know, seventh game. What's the fifth oh, player drive? And he would know yeah. it. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> dude. He's so, thirty eight. He's thirty eight years old now, and he got hired like forever ago. Uh, Let me see. Uh, Pre COVID, 2018, 2019 is my bet. Twenty seventeen. Okay. Because so, remember, he he succeeded. He uh, succeeded um, Jeff Fisher. Yeah, Fisher. Yeah. Little trivia question there. Um, Twenty seventeen, so that was seven years ago. It's pretty much thirty thirty one. I'm trying to think. Cause they drafted Jared Goff. Fisher had Jared Goff. No, Sean McVay no? dropped. Sean McVay. I'm pretty sure. Who was the quarterback under Fisher then? I don't know. That's how they got. That's how they got the number one overall pick to draft Goff, bro. <laughs> Case Keenum. Case Keenum was their starting quarterback in 2016. And but, anyway. But yeah, I mean, I remember when he was hired, it was a big deal because it was like, bro, he's, this dude's 31. There's players on a team older than him, your head coach. Yep. But little did anybody know this man was just miles oh. ahead of the curve. I mean, yeah. I mean, he comes from the Shanahan coaching tree, right? I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, he comes from the Shanahan coaching tree, which is, first of all, that has to be the most like OP'd coaching tree in mankind. Um, Andy Reid's Shanahan. Oh, Shanahan. Mike Shanahan. I mean, uh, Reid is pretty good too. Um, I'm trying to remember because they both Mike Shanahan and Andy Reid comes from I think it's Bill Pars Bill. I know Mike Shanahan comes from Bill Walsh. That tree. Yeah. Yes. I'm trying to figure oh, out because because Andy Reid Andy Reid comes from Mike Holmgren. I think they came from, he came from Bill Walsh too. That's what I'm saying. I think Andy Reid came from Bill Walsh as well. Yep, here here it is. Here's a photo of it of the tree. All right, so yeah, Bill Walsh was the head coach for. All right, hang with me here. Um, George Seifert, Seifert, Seifert. I know he's famous. I'm sorry. Uh, Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, Mike Holmgren, Dennis Green, uh, Jason Garrett. 
Todd Bowles, Doug Peterson, Sean McDermott. That's all Andy Reid tree. Yeah, dude. Steve Mariucci, John Gruden's in the Bill Walsh tree. Wow, dude. Yeah, a lot of a lot of big names. A lot of big names. And that's all Bill Walsh. There you go. So I mean, just I mean, under Mike Shanahan, you got so many, dude. It's like insane. Yeah, it's good stuff, but I uh, I'm pretty satisfied with the coaching cycle this year. I think it'll be good. It's nice not being yeah. part. Uh, yeah, got our guy, man. Well, yeah. this is the first year in like damn near three or four years since we weren't a part of the coaching cycle. Damn Can you straight. believe we hired freaking uh, Cully? <laughs> Yeah. What the fuck, dude? Why we hired David Cully, bro? Like who? Yeah, well, transition, transition. And really, this is the first year we haven't had to go get a head coach or quarterback in what? 15 years? 10 years? Ever? Ever? <laughs> so Good year for the Texans. Let's talk Super Bowl, though. Let's wrap it up with the Super Bowl. We've been going this whole time having you talk to lick a Super Bowl. Dun, 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 dun. If you're Look, still looking man. For fans, $6,000 for nosebleeds. I just checked. On StubHub. Now, StubHub. Pay us some money, bro. Vivid Seats, bro. We, we can pin them against each other. Vivid Seats. You got StubHub. I got Vivid Seats. And then uh, we'll have... I'll have Bella come in with like a game time jersey yeah. or something. <laughs> we just said it before. She's like that person that like hits the the ball. That court oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And predicts the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Most important question of the Super Bowl. You ready? You think Taylor's going to make it? Yeah, she's going to make it, bro. <laughs> bro, the, the freaking the ambassador of Japan put out like an official release about it for real yes bro it is insane i'll try maybe later i can i can find the tweet and send it to you but that i i don't think it gets any more big time than as a celebrity or anything worldwide than taylor swift like it's it's official you there is nobody nobody in this world that is more famous and popular than Taylor Swift. And I hate to I hate to do this to you, bro, but if I remember correctly, when we we used to have conversations years ago on this platform, so you can find it two fans about like largest artists ever because it spawned with like the your Drake love and like I argued, I remember specifically the Beatles, where I was like the Beatles are are bigger than Drake. I don't think we ever brought up Taylor Swift. Maybe once or twice. But like she was not on our like our actual radar for these kinds of conversations, like top of mind, like a like a Beatles or Drake or you don't remember that? You don't remember those? We I mean, not that I don't remember it, but bro, it's 2024. There's no way the Beatles are still bigger than Drake, dude. <laughs> okay. Well, regardless, Taylor Swift is they're, they're not pretty, they're, yeah, they're yeah. neither are bigger than Taylor Swift. So it's all like 
it's she lives a absolutely incredible life like she accepted a grammy last weekend and she's going to watch her boyfriend play in the super bowl and he can win his third super bowl like but he's the not ambassador of one of the most popular famous countries in the world came out and put a press release or whatever together for you because you're playing in their country the day before that's she lives an incredible life, man. I mean, there's nothing, nothing to say except for positive things and just pure jealousy, which is what it is. So good for her. That was just a fun thing. I hope she's there. I hope the NFL uses like just just squeeze that and get as much juice out of that as you can. Like, because next year we'll probably be tired of it. This year I'm not like I'm I'm at my break point, but I understand she's a super bowl. I, I know what I'm in for. Like I'm almost I wonder if there's a drinking game. There's gotta be a drinking game, like how many times they show her. You know, you have to take a drink or something. I'm going to have to find something like that. But the important question. Uh, go for it. No, I was just going to say, bro, like, that would be a game right there. Yeah, I wouldn't make it to halftime or second half, I should say. Uh, so the important question. Who you got? No reason for analysis or anything like that. You got all the major media networks for that. Man, I got I got the 49ers, man. I'm tired of the Chiefs. I'm I'm hoping Brock Purdy leads them to victory. Uh, no, but really, like I said, like I alluded to in last week's episode, uh, it's just this is as close as to coasting as the Chiefs have gotten in this playoff run. And so, whereas you go on the other side, the 49ers have been battle-tested coming back in games shit you don't see Kyle Shanahan teams do like let's be honest <laughs> Kyle Shanahan teams they either beat the brakes off of you or you know you you get the better of them it's never for the other um with that being said i think uh if if the 49ers can score touchdowns if the 49ers score three touchdowns they're winning the game 100 percent. if you tell me 49ers are scoring three touchdowns i'm like all right they're winning the game because this whole playoff run pretty much this season the chiefs have been carried by their outstanding defense um the best defense patrick mahomes has had in his career so far and the thing is, if the 49ers are able to put up points against that defense, I know it's Patrick Mahomes, but that offense isn't what it used to be. I mean, we, we thought in that AFC, that, uh, AFC championship game, I thought Mahomes played great, excellent. And they only scored 17 points. Like, and none in the second half. So I, I think for once, uh, their offense is kind of a liability. And uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited for all the the props to bet on too. Uh, and yeah, you got. You got any thoughts? A pick? Yeah, I do have a pick. Um, 
right now, according to ESPN, 49ers are favored in the matchup predictor, which is not usually crazy accurate, but 59.4% to their 40.6%. Chiefs, 40.6%. So they're favored 60% to 40 for ease of numbers. Um, Man, San Francisco is favored by two and a half, one and a half. If you look at certain lines, it's... Uh, it's this is gonna be a good. This is gonna be a good Super Bowl. Like it's gonna be. This is gonna be fun. This is not one of those Super Bowls that we're gonna turn off. Like one of those Broncos ones where it's a blowout in the second half. Like we're not. We're not watching. No. This is gonna be back and forth. Chiefs is still the Chiefs, bro. I'm taking the Chiefs. I think it, mm. it's just look. When I I'm I'm no expert, but when I look at every single position or go position by position, major player by major player. By far, the number one thing for me is they got Patrick Mahomes, dude. Like, I I am so tired of picking against Patrick Mahomes and him beating me that I would be happy if the Chiefs lost and Brock Purdy beat Patrick Mahomes. And I, I would be happy being wrong. But I'm tired of picking against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes showing up and being like, okay, like, Chiefs is still Chiefs. Like, we're still going to do our thing. Like, it's not a problem. I do think roster for roster, I think the 49ers are better. I think the 49ers probably have a larger possibility of winning this game, but I'm taking the Chiefs because I'm not picking against Patrick Mahomes. I think it's just that simple. Like it's it's he's almost risen to Tom Brady level for me, where it's like I'm just not gonna pick against him in these games. Like I just won't. Okay. Little, I also little, think little Craig action back and forth. But I'm not picking against him. Like why you could stack the whole even dude i picked i picked tom brady over him and he beat tom brady like come on i understand he's not the same team we talked about eric Bieniemy and the offenses are in the same and 49ers have come back and all this but i said it last week i'll say it again 49ers get behind the chiefs bro this isn't this is patrick mahomes dude like he's not letting go of that lead like he knows how to play with the lead it's it's different so i'm going with the chiefs but um, I'd be pleasantly surprised if CMC and those boys got their first, their first Super Bowl. Yeah, I think, and that's going to be the big, big difference uh, this year versus the last time they played in the Super Bowl. Christian McCaffrey. Um, I also think this is two things. One, Christian McCaffrey. I think he's going to ball out. I think this is the moment he's kind of been waiting for. Um. But mostly, I think more so than that, I think Brock Purdy is going to cement his legacy and he will have a game in which people can stop. All the doubts will kind of tone down to a minimum. Um, I don't know why. That's just how I... Yeah, I would agree with that. Like it, it, I mean, I think he's been doing pretty good. He's pat in this playoffs. In these playoffs, I just think we get too fascinated with all the talent that San Francisco has, and we forget how easy it is for a quarterback being a moron. Having a moron quarterback can bite you in the ass in yeah. in the playoffs, and. Um, I think we we tend to forget that uh, you don't just 
you just, even in Kyle Shanahan's system, you don't really system quarterback your way to a Super Bowl, especially after what the 49ers endeavored the past two games. Um, so, yeah, I think this is going to be I might I might sneak in a, a Brock Purdy Super Bowl MVP uh, bet in there. Be a good one. Be a good one. It's almost a guarantee if they win, it's his. It's his to have. I mean, CMC could be another one in the running or a defensive player, but I think Brock has got it on the lock. I uh, I'm happy with the Chiefs pick. I'm happy with this game. Really, I think this is probably the two best teams in the NFL playing against each other. Would have been nice to see Baltimore. I was kind of sitting here thinking, like, if Baltimore had made it, I probably would have picked the 49ers. Like, I, I really do think the reason I'm picking the Chiefs is purely on the shoulders of Patrick Mahomes. Like, that is – which I've got no issue with that pick because I've made many picks over the past years that we've been doing this because of Tom Brady, and Tom Brady is just on the team. Like, that's why I made the pick. So, yeah, I got no issue with that. But regardless, it'll be, be an awesome game. It'll be – I mean, Andy Reid in the Super Bowl, it's going to be fun. This is, this is going to be one of those games we look back on, and it's going to be one of the better Super Bowls. I'm, I'm excited for it. I really, I really hope. So before we sign off, I just want to bring this up to you because I just saw this right now. This is my first time looking through all the different uh, betting props for the Super Bowl. DraftKings has a special little section called For the Swifties. <laughs> And it's like 22, any quarter to have 22 plus points scored. And like anti-hero, Brock Purdy, 250 plus yards, two pass touchdowns, blank space. Travis Kelsey, score an octopus. Wow. Like, I mean, and this is a pretty decent list. There's about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different things on here. So it's well, you like, think if you get some Swifties betting, they'll come back next year goes back to that betting conversation it's like is it more important for the nfl to bring i didn't bring this up earlier but it's kind of a rhetorical question um is it more important for the nfl to bring money through the betting or bring more eyes because one of the things that you always talked about when it comes to betting is like yeah i don't care about hockey or i don't care about korean baseball but if i got money online like i care about the game so that's that's what's of interest to me is these swifty bets is it Okay, are we trying to get pe- more people to watch this, or is this like a retention thing that next year we're hoping that they'll remember how much fun they had betting on the Super Bowl, and there'll be bets next year they want to place? We'll see. Uh, I think you're thinking too deep about it. I think it's uh, it's the sports books, bro. The, the sports books are trying to make money. They just they'll get some Swifties to bet on some of their Super Bowl props, and they make money. I'm excited to read the stats after the Super Bowl. How many new accounts were created for betting? How many new bets were placed? Like how many bets were played? Like all those stats, you know, assuming I can find them, that'll those that'll be fun to read is is all the different all the money and stuff going in. But yeah, man, it'll be a good Super Bowl. That's everything I got. I'm excited. Yeah, it's everything I got over here too, bud. All right, two fans. Well, you know where to find us at Slice Doubles Pod at Slice Doubles Podcast. Working on a few clips. Should be some fun. Got a couple clips. Um, every Thursday, you can find us recording every Wednesday, and um, we will see you next time.